Sensei Natter. Hello and welcome to episode 42 of Sensei Natter, the Bengals UK podcast that bids a fond farewell to one of its greats. Uh, we're here in the sewing room this week and there's lots to discuss. There's been some signings, there has been some signings, because if you remember um, last week it was basically a, a rant uh, about and against Bobby Hart. Um, there's been some more re-signings and, of course, one very notable departure. With me to dig into all of this nonsense is the spring to my equinox, the spearmint to my rhino, <laughs> the fray to my bentos, the nicotine to my patches and the vontes to my perfect. It's Nathan Palmer, everybody. Paul, just quickly, like, you're not leaving this podcast, are you, when you're talking about a, f- a great leaving the Bengals? Just, <laughs> well, just clarify for that for me before we get we get started. I'm, I'm okay for now. You're, you're still you're still. I'm here. renegotiating not, you, my contract. <laughs> you're you're not the big casualty. I'm you're restructuring to. my deal. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> what a week! It's a crazy time of year, and it ran this time of the year. You know, you go through some months in the off season where literally nothing happens, and then you have everything happen. So. And it has in sort of relative terms to the Bengals, because we said last week, didn't we, I bet you, while we were recording this podcast, the yeah, Bengals exactly. will sign someone. And, you know, they didn't quite do that. But there was, in terms of the whole of the way the Bengals worked, there mm. was quite a lot of activity in the day afterwards. And I'm sure you all know by now what happened. Um, they signed uh, John Miller, uh, three years, 16.5 million deal. He's 25-year-old guard. Picked up from Buffalo, he had a 67.0 three-year grade from PFF. Um, he's apparently he uh, hadn't had a great year last year, but the preceding years he was pretty good in Buffalo. Mm. Uh, and he does well. He seems to represent an upgrade from. Well, I think he's like a depth upgrade, isn't he? Someone that you can sort of plug into the right hand side of the line. Probably a slight upgrade over Redmond. Whether he is guaranteed to start, I'm not. Probably if they're paying him that sort of money, I, was, oh, I think I, he is. I think he is, but I imagine Alex Redmond's going to want to battle him as hard as he can. And also, fan favourite Christian Westerman as well. Yes, also, yeah, yeah. But true, this true. this money makes him the highest paid lineman. No, that's wrong, because Cordy Glenn is the highest paid Probably, lineman. Yeah, yeah. But he's getting paid more than Clint Bowling. Yeah, yeah which yeah. is which is quite a shock. Poor old Clint. But yeah, yeah, his agent's going to be banging on the door. Oh, I know, right? But. Um, that says to me he's starting. Yeah. And with Bobby Hart on at right tackle, I think that's probably your starting offensive line. Yeah. You're pulling your face, aren't you, Nathan? It's it's a four out of ten off offensive line, and if five's average, four out of ten. Well, maybe five. I think Bobby Hart, you're not mad about a right tackle. Miller, you know, the epitome of average, maybe just a tad below. There's a lot of questions around Billy Price. I really hope he can take a step next season. I really can. You know, we put mm. a first-round pick into him. Team are quite high on him. I know he missed a few games. That's a big question mark going into next season. Could be a pleasant surprise. Yeah. But we don't know too much there. Clint Bowling's a good guard. You know, he's a solid, plug him in, plug in and play. You know, Clint Bowling's been a long-term servant, great player. And Cordy Glenn's strong at left tackle. But I think overall, that right-hand side and the centre are a little bit flimsy, I think. Yeah, although I'm, I'm kind of, I think you know, as as has been spoken about on other podcasts, I think Miller's probably the best signing out of the lot. Yeah, and he could, you know, he could offer the same sort of solidity yeah. as as Clint Bowling. I think he's kind of similar graded. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So I'm, I'm okay Miller's with that. Miller's 25 as well, isn't he? He's a young lad yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, so he's yeah. got a lot of you know potential to improve. And obviously, for our fantastic the offensive line coach, I'm sure that well, he'll get the right. best out of him. That's right. Um, I'm sure they'll have a few hilarious words to say in yeah, team exactly. meetings to bring out the best in, <laughs> in our new signing. Um, we also signed up a new uh, slot corner, B.W. Webb. Uh, three years, 10.5 million base with just... Uh, 2.5 million guaranteed. He's 29. He's bounced around a lot. He's he's the kind of epitome of your NFL journeyman. Yep. But from what every, the stats are saying, he had a pretty good year against uh, with Lou and Arumo um, yeah, at the yeah. Giants last year. So he maybe kind of finally found his his coach that was able to bring the best out of him. Mm. And he does grade similarly to. Uh, Darquez Denard. Um, but of course, you know, when BW Webb was announced, it was, I think it was straight to Google, wasn't it? And trying to figure out who the hell yeah, he was. you do well. He's got a slightly unique name, which might be the one reason you do know of him. But it's not a bad little sign. It probably signifies the end of Darquez Denard. I think, unless they can get him on a really team friendly deal, I wouldn't see why they would bring him back, which is a real shame because you think we invested a first round pick into Denard. And I think. To see the level of production he gave us during those, you know, four or five years, it, it's a bit disappointing. Because I think he's a very good player. I think there's a lot of talent there. He was very highly regarded coming out of Michigan State. And he just never turned the corner, did he? It was always you sort of felt he was there. You felt he was there. And he just never turned it. And I think whoever picks him up could be getting a really good player. I think injuries hampered his yeah. early yeah. career. And then, for me, it became quickly evident that he wasn't quite as physical physical enough to play on the outside regularly yeah yeah but then he found a pretty good he found his kind of little niche in in the slot and he was a pretty solid technically slot sound and he's a good tackler as well i think that that's his greatest asset yeah, yeah. He's a really good tackler yeah yeah certainly against the run mm. um but I mean, you mentioned that he was a first round pick do you see that as a failure by the bengals or in terms of they made the wrong pick back then it's very hard isn't it in retrospect to look back at something like that but i certainly don't think they got what you would ideally want out of a player of his caliber and investing in i think it was the 21st or 22nd overall pick in a player like that i mean i think injuries are very difficult and there's not much you can do about that but to lose a player after his rookie contract to free agency, you might get a comp- comp- compensatory pick. Is yeah, it like, um, and they love comp picks. They, they love it, yeah. But it just, to me, feels like a bit of a waste of talent. You know, he never really was the starter. He never really perhaps got the opportunities he, opportunities he should have. And it just, I think it's a shame to let him go on. He's a good player. Mm. But I, I just wonder whether... I don't know. I'm, I'm resting. We had the cap to keep him as well. I mean, you know, BW might be sort of a similar option, but we did have the cap there to keep Denard. And I know a lot of people were out there saying he wants over 10 million. Hmm. I think a lot of people were saying, look, you know, if he wants seven or eight, we might be okay. But I think he's looking for sort of a 10 million plus contract. So, you know, the Bengals don't like paying too much money for players. They they really want to get value for money or what they perceive to be a player's value. And they very rarely pay more than that. So, And you know what? I... You know, that approach has worked for the Bengals in the past decade. You know, getting to the playoffs a lot, uh, winning the AFC North a number of times, 
you know, not quite getting them over the hill. But that business model was praised. That approach to yeah, free agency what, was praised. Um, I think it was more down to the, the really effective drafts than the, the yeah, free agency yeah, yeah. approach. I think we had a period of time, we had a, a few really good drafts. I mean, you look back to the AJ Green and Andy Dalton draft, one and two, to get them two players... You know, long-term servants of the franchise in a draft like that is fantastic. You know, you had Geno Atkins that you were picking up yeah, in the yeah. third round back then. There were some really good picks. Dunlap in round two. That was what this fa- um, franchise, the foundation of it, has been built on. Hmm. You know, even picking up Vontez Perfect as an undrafted free agent for the productivity we got out of him. There were some really good personnel decisions there. But on the free agency side, I think the Bengals have been guilty of, you know, letting quality starters walk out the door. And, you know, if you go back 10 more years, the Bengals were known for re-signing their own. They're the only players they've paid. They'll keep their own. They'll keep their own. And I think if you look back in the last five to six years, there's been examples of players in their prime playing good football that the Bengals have drafted, their Bengals players, that they've let go. And it's been interesting to watch that. And, you know, they could have brought back a Marvin Jones, a Mo Sanu, an Andrew Whitworth, people like that. They would have had to overpay. That's the key thing that that's why overpay and they've and they never just been, don't do been that I think I think that. you hit the nail on the head they they value value over any everything and anything else they're not willing to overpay yeah now Marvin Jones wanted to go he also he wanted to get paid as number one didn't he that's he did well he wanted to be number one really. yeah and he and the Bengals had apparently had a good offer down on him yeah, yeah and he wanted to go so good luck to him you know yeah and it's just about starting to come good for him in yeah. Detroit. So it's taken a, a couple of years. But uh, and Mo Sanu, a good player. But I think, you know, we've replaced him with Boyd. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, um, Whitworth is obviously a yeah, massive yeah. discrepancy. But you, you can look back at Jonathan Joseph. I mean, yeah, he yeah, 100%. You know, that's the sort of player that was, you know, in his prime, perhaps wasn't playing lights out for the Bengals, but certainly a solid starter. Kind of similar to Darkwood's Denard, maybe not as much... Um, Denard maybe not having as much talent as Joseph, but that sort of ballpark. Yeah, I mean Joseph was a was a proper, pretty him and Leon Hall were fantastic. Yeah, they were tandem fantastic cornerbacks, first round picks, proper and, yeah. outside corners. Mm. Um, Denard's interesting, I think. You know, he's obviously coming. Uh, he sort of, you know highballed the Bengals. He he wants to be paid. Yeah, and to play as an outside corner. Mm. Uh, which you know you can't blame him for that at all, but you know the Bengals see him as a as a slot corner, and slots don't quite get paid as much. Well, the Bengals are also paying. Um, we've got William Jackson and Drake Kirkpatrick. Drake Kirkpatrick well, William Jackson a lot of money, and so yeah. really, be, you know, I, it doesn't make a huge amount of sense for the Bengals to be paying their potentially third. And William corner. Jackson has to be. Extended, yeah, exactly. you know, and he's going to command big money, I think. But you go back to the draft. Paul Dana Jr. wrote a really interesting piece, um, the 2014 draft. Okay, here's uh, here's who they drafted, and let's see who's still on the roster. Oh, mate, don't. This is this gives me a fright. First round times. one, Darquez Denard. Round two, Jeremy Hill. Yeah, both not there. Denard, no. Denard, I'd say he's unlikely to come back, as you say, yeah, unless, think, yeah. Unless he comes back with his tail between his legs and kind yeah. of says, "Look, sorry guys, pay me, you know, eight mil or something like that, or seven mil or whatever." For one season, yeah. Um, in that 2014 draft, uh, round three, Will Clark. He didn't work out at all, did he? No, not at all. Number four, Russell Bodine. Yeah. Number five, AJ McCarron, who's just signed for the Texans as a yeah. backup. Uh, number six, Marquise Flowers. 
Yeah. I'm not quite sure if he Patriots. was at the Patriots for yeah, a while, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah. Number seven, James Wright. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, and 7B, Lavelle Westbrooks. Good name. Good name. Solid handle. Yes, yeah, solid <laughs> handle there. Those players are interesting because there's no, yeah, literally, literally going into 2019 season, there's not going to be probably one of and those players on a roster. And you'd expect at least two to be still You'd around. hope so, at least. And so that, that, Some of those players gave level of production. I mean, we got, I mean, whether it was good or bad, you got play out of Bodine, you got play out of Jeremy Hill. You got a bit of play out of McCarron. Yeah. But you've got to look at it as a, a as absolute a best at about a C minus, isn't it? 2015's fun as well. Oh, yeah. First round, Cedric Aboye. Yeah. The new Jacksonville Jaguar. Yep, yep. Number two, Jake Fisher. Oh, mate. Who's yeah. now going to be a tight end. Uh, tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be a tight end. <laughs> Number three, Tyler Croft, who's just signed for Buffalo. Yeah. 3B, Paul Dawson. Oh, Remember of, him? He was one of the worst picks we've made, and he. Number four, Josh Shaw. Yeah. I think he's been bouncing around a few teams. Yeah. 4B, uh, Marcus Hardison, now playing in the AAF. Yeah. Number five, CJ Uzumar. Yeah, the only geezer left standing. Number six, Deron Smith. Joe Goodbury's love child. That's right. Uh, who's having a great season yeah. for, I can't remember who plays for in the AAF, but yeah, yeah, yeah. two consecutive pick sixes. So. Yeah, yeah. And uh, number seven, Mario Orford. Do you remember him? Yeah, little, little Speedy little fellow. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's crazy, though, out of two drafts. you got one guy on the team. Yeah. Uh, One two, guy left. Uh, which they weren't that long ago. And this is either. not like 10 years ago. This no. is like three years ago. Yeah. And for, that just illustrates for a team that relies so heavily on the draft, if you fail in the draft, now, as you say, we got production from Denard and Jeremy Hill, not much from Will Clark, got some production from Bodine. Boy, uh, whether you know did, whether yeah. it was quality production, yeah. you, you know, the um, same with the boy here. I mean, there was production there, just not particularly no. good production. But the fact is, they weren't keepers. No. They weren't keepers. So there you go. Um, the Bengals are being parsimonious in... Uh, oh, there we go. <laughs> He's brought it out for a second time. Pull one out of the bag. Um, uh, in free agency yet again, uh, whether you love it or hate it, that's mm. the way they play it. That's the way they work it. Um, um, but I have to say, I'm feeling a little bit more cheerful uh, than last week. Because I, I quite like the Miller signing. I think that's... Decent value for a starting right guard. Mm. I mean, obviously, it remains to be seen whether he's any good or not. Um, I quite like the BW Webb signing as long as he can kind of replicate the same form he as he did it with the Giants, and as mm. long as he cuts out the penalties because that seems to be the big difference between him and Denard. Yeah, Denard yeah. doesn't particularly commit penalties. BW Webb does. Um, before we get on to uh, well. Talking about Vontez Perfect and Tyler Eifert, um, stick around because um, we do have uh, an excellent special guest tonight. It's Fletcher Page from Cincinnati.com, uh, Paul Dana Jr.'s uh, partner in crime. So we're excited to speak to him for the first time in a little while. And we have, and stick around till the end of the show because we have some uh, announcements uh, as well for a, a draft day meetup. And we're going to have a sing-along as well. Uh, I'm sure you've missed that, listeners, dear <laughs> listeners. It's been a while since Nathan and I have had a sing-along. Uh, so tonight's the night that uh, we... Tonight, Matthew. Tonight, again, we uh, name that tune in one. Although if Nathan's singing, you'll probably struggle to name that tune. Okay, so let's let's start with Tyler Eifert. Um, 
it's pleased a lot of Bengals fans that he's re-signed. Uh, One-year deal, base of four million with uh, one point two million stuff and loads of incentives. Yeah. You know, he could earn up to you know a lot more than four million. Mm. Uh, something like eighty-one thousand dollars a game. You know, so it's got, they're almost pa- they're giving a lump sum. Yeah, yeah. and then it almost it's like pay as you go, really. Um, and everything points to the fact that he's healthy. Everything points to the fact that these the injuries that he suffered aren't chronic injuries. Yeah, they're just like freakazoid, you know, unlucky as you like injuries. Yeah, um, you happy with that? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a high upside move, but you just got to get production out of him, haven't we? You feel that you can't rely on him to be your number one. I mean, you've got see Joe Zummer in in the locker room. You've got Eifert. I'm not quite sure who you're starting there because the thing with Eifert is I, I take the point about not being you know not being a chronic injury thing, but you really don't feel that you could just chuck him into a game. Allah, you know, a Travis Kelsey type tight end, and say, you know, you're going to be out there most of the, you know, most snaps. Take him. We're going to play you 16. You might need to play 20 games if we make a Super Bowl mm-hmm. run, and expect him to really hold up in those situations. I guess, you know, is he a guy they use on third downs a bit more? They rotate in and out. You know, well, I mean, you look at look at how see. they used him last year, and someone quoted mm. saying that it he lined up as a receiver uh, for 68 percent of the time. So that says that they were kind of judging or, or kind of treating him more like a receiver for mismatches, you yeah, know, yeah. either in the slot or out wide or in the red zone. So, I, I mean, I was having a bit of a... There's a guy who writes for 99 yards, whatever that is. Mm. Um, he's a Philadelphia fan, but he's taken, him, taken it up uh, on himself to be writing about the Bengals. And he sort of chirps saying, no, I wouldn't take it. I need more production out of my starting tight end. But... He's, I don't think he's going to be the starting tight end, and he wasn't last year, really. Yeah, I think we probably need one though, because I, I think, think I think I think one of the draft. I think so. They might have to go with him round three, because you need someone who you you got to replace Tyler Croft. You know, Uzama's a decent receiving threat, and he did well down the stretch, just sort of you know filling in, but. You know, you look at the way the tight end position is used on really, you know, successful teams. I mean, you look at Gronkowski, you look at Travis Kelsey, the X factor that they just can be over the middle. And you kind of think, God, if, you know, we, you know, when Tyler Eifert, that season, you remember we were 9-0. and and you know, Oh, yeah, he was brilliant. I mean, he was an absolute animal. I mean, he was just a red zone nightmare. And he I think he still safety can. Blanket. You know, you remember that catch against Seattle? Oh, yeah, that was I mean, just you, one of the best. If you could get anywhere near that level of production out of him um, again I mean it would be the best pickup in free agency it's just you know is he healthy is his mind right you know have those injuries taken their toll on him is he is he perhaps more reluctant to make a tight well, cut knows? is he more reluctant to get is he going to be a bit nervous getting hit you know you never know with a player but I like it I mean I, I think like I said it's a high upside he knows the team he's a good guy uh, real fan Dalton. favourite as fan well. Fan favourite. I think it's a good signing. And, cru- and uh, crucially, fills a need. I think it does fill a need, and I think they will kind of use him creatively, like they did last year. Yeah, yeah. you could just see him getting into his stride again, getting his confidence back, yeah, make yeah. some good catches. Dalton loves him. Yeah, absolutely loves him. Uh, and the offense is kind of better with him on the field. Yeah, so it's yeah. just, as you say, it's just a case of whether he can stay healthy. And let's hope he can, because if, if anyone deserves to stay healthy and have a good season, it's him. Can you imagine just like rehabbing a year after year, like terrible 
serious injuries. You know, it must take take its toll mentally and obviously physically. So we wish him well. And of course, the significant uh, departure is Vontez Berfic, something that everyone's been calling for. Yeah. They they kind of took their sweet time about it. Mm. Um, what, what are your thoughts? Because I'm, I'm a bit funny on Berfic because I there's a lot of love for him. Yeah, I've been surprised by the reaction. Yeah, and, and it seems the media absolutely hate him. Yeah. There's no question of that. But there seems to be a real... Di- and we're gonna ask, I'm going to ask Fletcher about this in a little mm. while. Um, where there does seem to be a disconnect between the media perception of Perfect and the fan perception of Perfect. Yeah. The, the, I would say the, there is still a majority of fans out there, actually it's probably split 50-50, uh, who absolutely adore him? Yeah, thinks think he's like a real kind of rock star, rock star. You know, fan favorite, passionate guy. Plays I hear that I've been seeing that a lot. He plays with so much passion, mm. but that passion has got to be directed properly. And you know, his first three years in the league were fantastic. I mean, it looked as though they had an abs- got a real steal. You know, undrafted free agent. Marvin took him under his wing. Paulie G took him under his wing. Uh, first three years, he was fantastic. Um, and PFF put up some three-year grades uh, earlier. 2016, of course, he got to the Pro Bowl, didn't he? As yeah, well. yeah, he was yeah, playing yeah, at a Pro yeah. And he was like, I've never seen a player who instinctively was around the ball. Yeah, I know. And making plays. He's a unique player. He had, had a real instinct and yeah, feel for the yeah, game. yeah. yeah. His stats weren't great. He wasn't tested. Mike Mayock famously said he he was undraftable. Who's now his GM? Who's now his GM? So yeah. he kind of worked that one out. But 2016, he was he was fifth out of 54 linebackers in the league with 83.2. Yeah. 2017, he was 22nd out of 56 with 72.9, and 2018. He was 85 out of 97 with a 47.9. Yeah. So he has dropped off con- considerably. Um, there's been chat about, you know, well, you know, they changed the rules, so that means Vontez couldn't tackle. I mean, every- I don't buy that. Everyone else learnt how to tackle within the rules. Uh, so Vontez should have done as well. And we, I remember speaking in the very, very early days of Bengals UK on Twitter, kind of saying, Vontez has got to watch himself because he leads with his head a yeah, lot yeah. and he's got to be really careful. But you kind of forgave him for all his ridiculous things, his ankle twisting and little kind of petty, you know, fights and all the rest of it because he was so good. Yeah. And then when he wasn't, when he put on weight, when he was starting to get suspended on a regular, you know, every season, missing the first four games. Getting suspended in the preseason. It was like, is this is this dude worth it? And then when his production, his actual level of play dropped yeah. considerably, I I tended to, I never loved him. Put it that way. I yeah, personally yeah. never loved him. So I think this is absolutely the right decision. I think it's the right decision, and I, I really did like Perfect. I've always been a big Vontez Perfect fan, but I I think for me it's not just the I mean, the level of play is the final straw, as of course it should be, but. It's the concussions. It's the you know the suspension for drugs or PEDs or whatever you know stuff. Which was surprised actually, for. I think. Yeah, it was the suspension for you know rough play and unnecessary roughness. Some in the preseason, some in the regular season. You know the hits to the head. 
you know, every single game you watch, Burfecht is coming onto the sidelines, you know, on one knee. And he's an intense player, man. I mean, he's a crazy guy. And I think if you get if you get him a fully healthy, non-suspended Vontez Burfecht, you would be getting one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Potentially a leader, certainly someone who knows the playbook inside out and instinctively can read the uh, defences. But... We were paying him a lot of money, and I think when Paul Gunther left, and I said on last week's podcast, him and Paul Gunther have got you know this real like bonding relationship, and you know watch him go to the Raiders, and there he is now. And I think I don't know if perhaps you know with Gunther leaving, and you know Terrell Austin and him not meshing as well as a reason behind the lack of motivation or what it was, but he just didn't seem there last season. You know, for whatever reason, he just didn't seem like that was that fire in his belly, and you know I don't know if it's because we were losing or because he's you know not been. Not been himself, but I I, th- I agree with you. I, I I think it's the right decision, and I've been a bit surprised how many people have come out sort of you know really. I mean, he's a good guy, perfect for sure, you know, and he gave the fans a lot of good memories. But I I have to agree that I think the time was up, and I think the way he played last year was you know pretty poor. And I think pretty poor effort all round. I mean, yeah, you you're starting to hear reports some journalists saying that you know there were arguments in the locker room. Yeah. You know, he was kind of freelancing on the field. He was arguing with the officials kind of mid-play yeah, when yeah. he should be tackling. Um, so he'd kind of lost it a little bit, I think. And maybe maybe um, a fresh start will do him good. He's back with Paulie G. Yeah. He's back home in, yeah, on the West yeah, Coast. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, you know, we wish him well. And he has been a legend, really. I, I wouldn't mind betting he has a good season next year. I don't think he will. <clears throat> do you not think? I just think he's lost lost a step. I think he could still get back in shape, though. He's he not... looked. I mean, he's been posting loads of stuff on Instagram about you yeah, know, yeah. kind of working out and stuff. So that's probably an advertisement for, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. sign me, I'm in shape. But I don't know. He's gonna have to Gruden do some. and Gunther. Good luck to him. I hope, are, I hope they, they do. You know, like, I think you made a good point about him being back on the West Coast. Sometimes people, you know, playing in a new market, going mm. to Los. I mean, what a player! Like a classic Raiders player, sort of banger. You know, going to Las Vegas. You got yeah. Montez Perfect. You know, anchoring your defense. I mean, he's a he's a real marketable player for that um, that fan base. So I wish him the best. I I think we might look back and not necessarily regret the decision because I think for us, you know, our time with him was up. But I think he could end up doing a good job for them. I well, I'm not going to say it. I well, will I'm I don't. I think I think he's not going to be that player. I think he's sort of at the moment almost half the player he was. Yeah. He's going to have to go some to get back to that. And as you say, it's the concussions. It's the There's a million reasons that would prevent him from being on that field. Yeah, and he's got to angle. clean his act up. Because, yeah. like, Gruden and Paulie G, well, maybe Paulie G, won't be as forgiven as Marvin. No. Um, so, you know, but, you know, we've received, and we're going to go through the correspondence later, but we have received a lot of, uh, uh, of messages um, kind of telling us how much they love Avantes, and and he is one of those people that or players that if he's on your team you love him. Yeah, absolutely. If he's not, the rest of the league absolutely hate, and they just don't get it. They absolutely yeah, yeah. hate him. Media, but like fans, James Harrison type, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. If he's yeah. on your team and you see how much he puts into Ray it, Lewis. yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, lots of people saying that they're gutted. You know, they have their fifty-five jerseys at home, and they, they yeah, you know, yeah, they yeah. still wear it with pride. So. As a tribute to Vontaze, because he has been a legend of sorts, this is the time that we're going to sing, Nathan. Oh, Paul, don't do this to me, Sam. You're actually yawning. Don't do this to me. I've had a long we day. We are going to sing. I can't sing. You can. 
Uh, so here we go. Here's our tribute to Vontae's Perfect. Just a perfect day An undrafted free agent Mayock said You wouldn't make it in this league Just a perfect day Marvin was like a dad then later, Polly G. Oh, good times. Oh, yeah, they were. Oh, it's such a perfect day. I'm glad I spent it with you. Oh, such a perfect day. You just kept hanging on. You just kept. Hanging on to someone's ankles Just a perfect day You picked off Big Ben And ran and ran But then completely shagged it all up Yes she did, don't argue <laughs> Just a perfect day you were suspended all the time You put on loads of weight And was in concussion protocol quite a lot of the time Oh, it's such a perfect day I'm glad I spent it with you Oh, such a perfect day You just kept Hanging on You just kept Hanging on While punching someone in the face Again And again You're going home now To Polygy Going to have Antonio Brown as a teammate. Grown Bengals fans are now crying. You played with such passion, you were one of the best. Everyone hated you, but we didn't care 55 you're a legend so there you go uh, I don't know whether we should apologise for that or not um I thought you sounded masterful on that. Thank you very much. You I did thought too. We should, I thought better we should than get usual. A, from you, we should like get that onto the uh, get onto a CD and sell it to the fans. I think there'd be some buyers. Absolutely. Uh, well, blimey, uh, I'm not sure about that. But uh, <laughs> um, anyway, I hope you tolerated that, and um, I think it's probably best to go now to our special guest, don't you? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> 
And joining us on the line is Bengals beat writer and Cincinnati.com's Fletcher Page. Fletcher, are you there? I'm here. Where is here? Because I know that you're not in Cincinnati at the moment, right? That's right. I'm actually in Goodyear, Arizona. I'm out here helping out with our Reds coverage. I'm going to be covering the Reds a little bit this season, too. So uh, 2019 is going to be a busy one for me because I'm still going to be helping uh, Dana uh, with the Bengals and uh, I'll be doing some Red stuff. So we'll see how it goes. Well, um, and I would imagine it's slightly warmer in Arizona than it was in Cincinnati, right? Yes, I got a, a nice text from my fiance reminded me uh, that it, I think it was 32 degrees uh, in Cincinnati uh, this morning, and I'm looking at about 76 and, and sunny. Wow. So uh, nice. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be complaining about anything while I'm out here. That's for sure. <laughs> Are you a sun kind of guy? Are you there in your budgie smugglers kind of parading? <laughs> along the pool's edge, and uh, or are you kind of uh, stay out of the sun, big sun hat, lots of sunscreen kind of guy? Yeah, well, I definitely need the sunscreen on the panel, but uh, I grew up in the mountains, so um, I'm going to be hopefully hitting up some hiking trails and things like that while I'm out here in Arizona. Uh, so I, I like to be out and about. I don't know about the pool, but I'm definitely going to be uh, be doing some things while I'm out here in the outdoors. Fantastic! That, that just sounds really cool, actually. Um, but we're obviously here. We're not. We're not talking about Arizona or your favorite hiking trails in Arizona and how to wrestle bears in the wilderness. Um, we're here to talk about the Bengals. And um, but one question: you're you're still. I don't know. You're settled into the role now, as as you say, Paul Dana's uh, partner in crime there, and we're very thankful for your coverage over here. Um, but when you apl- when you were down in Kentucky and you applied for the job, did you expect to be talking to British Bengals fans in London uh, when you got it? No way. Uh, and it, you know, Paul told me that that the BBP had a really loyal and diverse uh, you know following, and I, I was really excited about that. You know, I, I like to write, uh, but I really like engaging. So. Uh, in any way that we can, and I, I love I love the BBP. Paul's really great at it. You know, he's a great host. So, uh, you know, he, he didn't tell me how far the reach was, or, or you know, <laughs> he didn't tell me that it went spanned across oceans. So, uh, you know, we I've gotten a lot of emails and tweets from people from all over the place. So it's been really cool. You are a global star, Fletcher. Um, I have to say, um, but um, let's talk about free agency because we are in it still. I don't know what kind of wave this is at the moment, maybe 2.5 or maybe we're entering the third or we're still in the second. I have no idea. But um, I want to ask you, um, were you expecting more from the Bengals in this free agent period? Well, I guess, you know, because we if if Marvin and that coaching staff were still there, you know, we, we could look at patterns from previous years and kind of go, well, actually, we kind of know what they're going to do, right? This is how that Marvin and the staff normally play it. But with the new coaching staff, are you, su- are you surprised uh, at the level they've been at? Maybe it's more or less so? What, what are your thoughts on free agency at the moment? Yeah, I think yeah, using hindsight, I think it has played out the way that, that maybe we thought it would. Uh, especially, you know, I think we focused on the right side of the offensive line and at linebacker. We knew they had to address those areas especially either through free agency 
or through the draft. And so some of the vibes that we picked up at the combine was that the that was that the team, the coaching staff, and the front office they didn't really like the options at at tackle at right tackle, especially through free agency. They just didn't think there were a lot of options there. And they also aren't that high on the draft prospects, at least in the first round, at tackle. So I think, and plus, you know, once offensive line coach Jim Turner used the word phenomenal and Bobby Hart, <laughs> uh, we spent, which was, you know, we could probably, I could have a rant for you on that, but I, we started to get the feeling that, hey, you know, it seems like they want to keep Bobby and maybe try to address that position maybe later in the draft. And so then we were trying to figure out, okay, what are they going to do? Do they end up with John Miller at right guard? That is a little bit of an upgrade over Alex Redman. Uh, you know, Dana was a little bit more bullish on that move than I was. I do think it was an upgrade, so you can't really be down on it that much. But, I, you know, it wasn't really the splash that I thought that they might make somewhere. And I think at once, you know, once we saw the price tag for C.J. Mosley, and Quan Alexander, some of those other linebackers, I, I, we just realized that the Bengals are not going to be in the running for this group of linebackers, and we started to realize that it was going to be an underwhelming week. And I, you know, we saw quite a backlash on Twitter. And uh, but you know, looking back on it, I think it played out maybe the way that we thought it would, especially the way we felt about how the team viewed uh, viewed this period after the combine. Um, Fletcher, looking at free agency, um, there's a man um, that's just signed, I think it was yesterday, with the Oakland Raiders by the name of Vontez Burfecht, um, that is now no longer Never with heard the of team. <laughs> um, what do you think the reaction to that has been um, in the Bengals' locker room? I mean, Burfecht, obviously, you know, I know a lot of guys in the locker room respected him a lot, and he was you know, deemed as a leader there. But do you think there'll be any guys in that locker room that'll be happy to see the back of him? Or how, how do you think that'll impact the sort of chemistry I do think that, uh, you know, I don't want to speak for the locker room, but, you know, I, I was only in there 45 minutes a day during the regular season. But I did get the feeling uh, in my short time there that that Tez had kind of worn out his his welcome there in that locker room. I mean, he was kind of tolerated. Um, I think that really the key for him, um, a little bit, this is a little bit of speculation, but I think Paul Gunther really was the linchpin for him. And uh, he respected Paul. They had great rapport, uh, just you know, working together for six seasons. As you know, Paulie as a as a linebackers coach and defensive coordinator, and he and Tez were on the same page. And, and once you start to lose those kind of key figures, uh, I just feel like Tez was just. I just don't think that physically, mentally, everything was going on last year with suspensions for the PEDs. He had the concussion issue, um, more fi- more fines for you know unnecessary roughness. It just felt like. Without Gunther, uh, you know, Tez just wasn't the same. And maybe he wasn't going to be anyway physically. Uh, but once Marvin left, I just think there were too many people gone from this franchise and everybody was looking for a fresh start. So uh, I do think there were some players in the locker room that respected Tez, but I think everybody understands sort of the business aspect of this move. And, and it made perfect sense that he ended up back in Oakland because all you need is that one coach, that one guy that says, oh, this, this is my guy, I can coach him up. I can get the most out of him. And I think for Tez, that will always be Gunther. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. We were talking about that just before, weren't we, Paul? And we said that, you know, someone like Paul Gunther does make, you know, such a difference, um, you know, for a guy like Bontez Perfect. Now, 
We're moving on just quickly. I mean, I think a lot of us in the UK have been quite surprised to see just how popular um, FC Cincinnati have been over in the US um, in their MLS debut, packing out Nippert Stadium and, you know, looking like a you know a raucous atmosphere. I think Andy Dalton and Carlos Dunlap were both there. With the launch of FC Cincinnati and with the Cincinnati Reds also making splashy moves with uh, Yassel Puig and Matt Kemp, how do you think that impacts the people of Cincinnati's mood for you know how they feel towards the Bengals? And do, do you think that will be reflected on opening day for the Bengals? Do you think there's going to be a packed stadium, a feisty atmosphere, or do you think due to the you know the other teams in the city making some big moves that it might be a bit quiet? That's a great question, and it's something that I've thought about a lot because uh, a. I need a new hobby because uh, I planned. On, well, I planned on the Reds being my outlet, and now that I've got to cover them, I no longer can can enjoy that. So, and from a fan's perspective, so now now FC Cincinnati is going to be my thing. Hopefully, that I can get to. I want to become. I'll be honest with you guys. I'm not. I'm not the most uh, knowledgeable soccer person. So I'm looking forward to. That's like an untapped area for me. So that's just me personally, but. As it relates to the Bengals, I think if that's something that we that we hit on, you know, for a long time last season was this team's got to recapture the imagination or excitement and energy of a fan base that is just, you know, they, they're always going to be skeptical. They're always going to second, uh, you know, uh, they're always going to question moves made. The only real way if you can go out and make a splash in free agency, you can draft somebody like Devin White that everybody feels is a for sure. Uh, you know, talent, uh, you know, a decade-long cornerstone-type player. You can do those kinds of things. You can win the offseason week by week. But the only way they're going to get those kind of atmospheres that you're talking about is if they win. And that, that's really it. So you can fans can be skeptical from January to August if they want. That's fine. Or they can be excited either way. Everything comes out in September. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, that while – all sports franchises are dealing with what you're talking about. There are so many more options out there for people to spend their time on that you can't just roll out. You can't just roll the ball out and say, "Here's the team. You guys love it because you always have." And so I, I think that the I think that the Bengals are in a situation where it's really just win. They've just got to win. Yeah. And there is a lot of competition now in the market. You know, the Reds are revamped. FC Cincinnati is just taking the city by storm. And uh, but I think at the end of the day. Cincinnati is a, is a football town, uh, or can be a football town. It really just comes down to the one thing that for every team that's most important, and that's is that's being successful and winning and having a chance to be in moments that matter, which will be the postseason. And I guess appointing Zach Taylor was was partly due to the malaise in the city, I guess. And, you know, we're thousands of miles away, so we're going to always support the team thick and thin, but because we don't know the atmosphere, you know, you guys have the atmosphere in the city to to gauge uh, apathy or kind of excitement, right? So, uh, and but you know, we, even us, we can pick up on the half-empty stadiums, and I guess the Brown family did as well, right? When they decided to finally uh, consciously uncouple with Marvin. That's right. The, the empty seats made a big deal, but even more it was the empty suite. You know, because there's a lot of money going into those those boxes. And that's, you can get a lot of symptoms of that there's a major issue, but 
the, the biggest complication I think was, was the MTCs because it, it was it's embarrassing and it, yeah. and it hits you in the wallet a little bit. A small market a small market team uh, needs needs every bit of revenue that it can. Smaller market, I should say. So uh, that that was certainly a part of, of the decision to move on from Marvin. Um, going back to free agents just a little bit, we're going to wrap this up in a while, uh, Fletcher, so you can get out and enjoy the sun again. Um, with Burfitt gone, and that obviously uh, releases, what is it, uh, uh, just over 5.5 million um, uh, cap space on this year's cap, I believe. Um, that frees them up a little bit more. Do you expect more signings between now and the draft? I do. Um, at this point, though, I, I'm not sure which way to speculate because, again, like, he saw a BW Web coming out. Right, uh, you know, that absolutely. was I guess we I guess, you know, with the connections to uh, you know, to the coaching staff, we can maybe try to pinpoint some some areas, but I think that they would like to add some people at certain areas, um, like they did with Webb. Uh, that was obviously predicated on Darquez, uh, which is something we still need to, to see how that plays out. But I, I do expect them to uh, to still pursue some other free agents. I just I can't I couldn't give any names though. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's let's hope so because I say I think un- unfortunately I think uh, Bengals fans get extreme FOMO uh, at this time of year, especially with a team like the Browns signing pretty much everyone under the sun, and how sweet that would be to see to see the Browns fall in their faces uh, uh, this coming season. But we won't go into that. Uh, I'm not bitter, honestly. Um, but um, I wanted to ask real quick, uh, Fletcher, um, when you do go out hiking again, this is tangential, so. Uh, go with it um if you came across a bear in the wilderness what do you do when you come across a bear i've always asked wanted to ask that question to someone who knows about hiking in the wilderness so i'm afraid you're that person i think that if i did come across a bear which i i i, I grew up i don't know how much you guys listen to BBT, but I, I grew up in the wilderness of northeast georgia uh, so, uh, but I, I really don't, I'm not really that rugged. Uh, I don't really do that much, uh, with my hands, but, uh, I think there's only one, there's only one play here with the bear. Right. I think you, I think you just got to play dead. You got to play dead. And just hope. Would you actually have to do that? I think though? you got to just take, I think you got to take whatever the bear is going to give or not give and just, and just hope that it comes out for the best. You wouldn't wrestle it then. No, absolutely. <laughs> you wouldn't wrestle a bear. That's just suicide, isn't it? I would I wouldn't. I wouldn't out try to outrun a bear. No. Unless I was in a group of people. Right. And That's then I think right. I, I like my chances against at least a few of the people in a group yeah. to outrun them. But I, I wouldn't wrestle. I wouldn't outrun. <laughs> I think I really think sometimes you just got to cut your losses and just hope that it doesn't get doesn't get worse. Oh my. What about an angry raccoon? <laughs> that you've got more of a chance with that, I think, haven't you? Really. You know, I think I have more experience with with raccoons than bears. <laughs> yeah. Raccoons are raccoons are an underrated nuisance. <laughs> okay, they really are. But uh, I, again, there, I think I think I've seen. I think you can become a, you can, raccoons can really have you at their mercy. Wow, <laughs> Fletcher, have that as raccoons your... are a problem. We're going to have that as your soundbite, I think, Fletcher. <laughs> raccoons are an underrated problem. But just just one last question just for you. Just on the poster for this episode, yeah. I think. Just, just one last question for you before we go. Just a little bit more fun. Um, and thank you for being such a good sport. Um, 
We ask all of our guests as the last question. Um, we've just recently started asking it. Where would you go for a good night on the town in the city that you're from? So be it from back in Georgia or in Cincinnati, if you were going out on the town for a few drinks, looking to go dancing, what are the best bars in your opinion? Where does Fletcher Page like to hang out on a Saturday night? Well, I grew. I went to the University of Georgia, and I spent a lot of time in Athens. I don't know if you guys have ever heard about it. It's the greatest party city uh I think it's I think it's one of the greatest cities in America just because it has a great music scene. It's got a great bar scene. It's got a great uh, you know kind of a a towny scene. Uh, so there are I think I mean there are like a hundred bars in Athens, Georgia you could go to. Um, but there's this I'm, I'm just I'll put it out there. Go on. My little secret <laughs> spot. There's this there's this little bar in Athens, Georgia called the Taco Stand, and. I would go there at the end of the night, like like maybe, or not the end of the night, but after I'd already gone out to other bars, be like a maybe like midnight, and I would order a lot of tacos and I would continue my drinking <laughs> until they kick until they kicked me out, and then I got to be friends with the bartender and he would let me stay while they were cleaning up and finish. So it's a little secret. It's not really a secret, but it's a it's a low key spot. It's not somewhere you'd go to dance or anything. It's not it's not really ever crowded. People like the food, but I would go there at midnight. I would eat a lot of tacos. I'd drink a lot, and then I would walk home because I was within walking distance. So it was a perfect dive bar situation. That for sounds me. like the so that, that was that was my perfect time. Perfect combination, like food, booze, and being close enough to walk home. How good is that? <laughs> well, I had a training. So I was a sports editor in the newspaper in, in Athens for a couple of years, and so I could walk. I was. We would put the paper out on Friday and Saturday after covering high school football. And I would walk from the paper to, to a couple bars, and I would go to taco stand, and I would walk home. And it really, when I look back on my, after I, if I ever, if I'm ever not a sports writer, I will look back on that time and be like, man, I really had it good whenever I could walk <laughs> to the paper, walk to taco stand, and then stumble home, and then wake up and do it all again the next day. I can hear the passion in your voice, Fletcher. <laughs> um, well, I miss those days. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um that does, and Athens is, is is one of the as you say it's one, it's on the list of places I quite like to visit. So I think you've sold sold me a, a trip to Athens, Fletcher. Um, listen, mate, uh, we hope to see you in London later on this year, so we can continue the chat about uh, tacos and bears and raccoons and the Bengals, obviously, and share a drink with you, uh, and maybe take you f- for our equivalent of a taco, which is a kebab. So. Um, yeah, maybe maybe we can do that when you come to London. Uh, but in the meantime, um, we really appreciate your time. I know that you're covering the Reds at the moment. Uh, so thanks for pulling yourself away from, from those guys and talking to us. And hopefully we can get you back on a, again in the future. You got it. I appreciate it, guys. Perfect. Thanks, Fletcher. Thanks, Fletcher. And that was Fletcher Page, uh, talking, who's, who was willing to talk about all sorts, from bears and raccoons to tacos, well, stands in Athens to I'll, Bengals free agency. I don't mind the night out in Athens, Georgia, I'll tell you that. That sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, it sounds like right, good crack. Um, um, but yeah, we, we can't thank Fletcher uh, enough for his time. And so he's out in uh, Arizona. I believe that he's going uh, to the owners' meetings in, I think they're in Arizona as well next week. Uh, so stand by for lots of coverage on Cincinnati.com and follow him on uh, Twitter at uh, at Fletcher Page. Um, so now it comes to that time of the episode where we take your uh, correspondence. 
course, we can be um, reached uh, at Twitter uh, at Whoday underscore UK uh, or on Facebook, uh, just Bengals UK. And I put it out there. Um, basically, something really weird happened at the weekend. So uh, Jamie Rowe at Trequart Bista came down uh, for a stag do. And we met in the Admiralty, which is was the Bengals pub a few years ago, right? And we were going to have a little Bengals UK forward planning meeting because we've got things planned for this year, obviously, with the team coming over. We've got some meetups and general fun and games. And um, we're having a drink outside. And who should turn up, walk in? Marvin Lewis, off his face. Bobby Hart <laughs> and Marvin... No. Um, it was Paul Brown. Now, not... Not the Paul Brown, but Paul Brown, who, who <laughs> back from the dead. Back from the dead. It was astonishing. Honestly, I'm not quite. I wasn't sure what was going on, um, but no, it was Paul Brown who who does like video blogging for the Browns. He's a big Browns fan, uh, and he bowls up with a cardboard cutout of Odell Beckham Jr. As you do, as you do on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, and a little gang of Browns fans with cameras and video cameras and all sorts, and they've been out filming uh, Paul and Odell Beckham Jr.'s cutout all afternoon in various places in London. It was the most surreal thing. Now, I've I've appeared on his podcast a few times, Mm. and um, so it was very, very surreal. But we made a bet, uh, which is on camera, um, who is going to have the better stats uh, by the end of next year AJ Green or Odell Beckham? Ooh, it's a good bet. It's a good bet, isn't it? Mm. Um, obviously, it depends if uh, AJ Green stays healthy or not, uh, which he hasn't done in the past few seasons. But the question is there. Obviously, Paul put it out. He's got loads of followers on Twitter and mostly, you know, 99.9% Browns fans who chirped away saying, oh, this, this guy was drunk. What's he talking about? AJ's better than Odell. But <laughs> But what is the answer? To that, um, so we put out on on Twitter. I put it out earlier today, asking our followers who they thought was um, the best player. Really, um, now they're both in the top five receivers, I think, in the league. I think would that be fair to say? Oh, I don't know. There's a lot of good receivers in the league these days. I don't know if they'd both make it. Honestly, I think AJ would be struggling at the moment with his health concerns and the Bengals' performance recently. I mean, you've got to have Julio in there, haven't you? Yes, I you, agree. Tyreek Hill honestly would be knocking around that door. Well, not for much longer if he. No, he would be. But DeAndre Beckham, Hopkins. Hopkins would definitely be in that conversation. I mean, honestly, Adam Thielen would be right up there. He wouldn't be well, top five, but he's so good, Thielen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs. Yeah, Mike yeah. Evans from Tampa. He's a good, really good receiver. Julio. Yeah, I said Julio, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Antonio Brown. Well, I think Antonio's top, actually. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think Hopkins is two at the moment. Julio Jones has got to be there. And then I do believe it's a toss-up between AJ and... I reckon he's got to be in there. They exclude his problems off the field. But you look at how easily he was taken away by the Patriots. Yeah, yeah. And someone, someone like Beckham or Green... Well, Green does a little bit, actually. That's his biggest knock. Does get... Go a little bit quiet in the big games, but everything focuses on Beckham's agility and his ability to catch one-handed. Mm. Now he's a lot more of a complete receiver than that, but people forget the kind of, you know, the toe-tapping sideline catches that AJ makes, the the incredible jump balls in the end zone. We've seen, you know, that last second. Michael Thomas from the Saints. Michael Thomas, yeah, all right, okay. <laughs> 
But we're talking about uh, uh, AJ versus yeah, yeah, Odell yeah, Beckham, yeah, just for local rivalry. So, and also uh, put it out there, um, ask people for their kind of thoughts on Perfect. You know what what he yeah, means yeah. to them and whatever. So, let's start with. Um, Peter Dadswell, the first of Peter Dadswell's missives this evening at Dadders. Is AJ better than OBJ? US sport is so stat-based, it's unbelievable. But they don't tell the whole story. When it comes down to it, average yards per game, TDs, etc. No, AJ, AJ will not be superior to OBJ. But the better question is, who do you want on your team? The model pro, consistent, reliable, trustworthy, a leader by example, or a diva? Any advantage OBJ has in stats is offset by the intangible negatives that result from the circus that follows him. AJ Green will have the character that, with his stats, get him into Canton one day. Uh, OBJ will have the stats, but his career off-field issues are more likely to close Canton's door. Well, I think they both got a shout, really. Um, So, Sam Anger, at Sam underscore Anger. Hello, Sam. Hello, lads. Hello, Sam. How you doing, Sam? Hello, lads. Hello, Sam. Perfect. My fondest memories are when he wasn't wary to tackle before the new rules came in. AJ versus Beckham. Beckham is the better talent, but is the hot and cold woman you just can't figure out if she's into you or not. AJ is marriage material. You know where you stand. I like that. That is a I very like Palmer-esque yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, yeah. simile or metaphor, really. I like that. Heather Poor, at Heather underscore Poor, first time caller. Hello, Heather. Uh, Welcome along. Um, Welcome along. Welcome (laughs) along to Jack and Nori. Um, AJ is better than OBJ because just the way he handles himself. He can slide by you because he doesn't draw all the attention with him. Love AJ, but still love perfect. I went to see him play uh, play basketball for charity uh, he came, found me in the stands, thanks to Dre, and he signed my jersey and asked if I wanted a picture. Nobody ever talks about the good side of him, and he's been like that every time I've been around him. Fair play. Fair play. Memphis Soul Stew at Stuart Bears, 688. I'm a huge VB fan. His play during the 2015 season was amazing. He just seemed to read every play so well. I just think the last couple of seasons, he hasn't been at his best. If that was down to multiple injuries or the league putting him under a microscope, I don't know, but I wish him all the best. Um, Whiskey Cyclist at Whiskey Cyclist. Solid handle. <laughs> One of my favourite ever Bengals. Sad to see him go. Short and sweet there, Alec. Thank you very much. I think that's uh, that's fair a enough. quality handle, that is. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, Ian Black at Eyes Sunshine Black. Uh, see, I think that's quite a solid angle. Oh, that's, that's close. That's close. But just on the fence there, you know, I've got to be strict with my solid handles. I can't be giving them out to everyone, you know. This no, is not charity. No <laughs> a solid handle charity. Yeah, yeah. Um, sucks, um, Houday Nation. Sorry. It sucks Bengals UK Nation won't get to see uh, Vontaze in London again. Spent some of last Bengals game there watching him fighting to get back on the field despite being hurt. Legendary commitment always, the kind of fight you want on your team. I'll still wear my number 55 jersey with pride. That's good. Good post. I like that. Um, ba, ba, ba. Martin Greer at Martin Greer 73. 
Uh, good luck to Vontaze. Always remember him when he sacked Big Ben, drove him to the ground while stripping the football. <laughs> Hope he avoids another concussion and goes on to be a decent coach. Been some funny Vontez moments. You remember when he um, he got an interception in the preseason and ran it back for a touchdown? And then he was in the stands. Yeah, like, he was like yeah. fell in the stands. It's it was that against memories. Washington, I think that was. Yeah, wasn't something it? stupid like that. Yeah. Okay, let's have another one from Peter Dadswell uh, at Dadders. We all know that the NFL media and mainstream media generally in the US likes to stick it to the Bengals. The existence of the term bungles is a case in point. Often, but not always, those criticisms have been ill-founded. But with Perfect now gone, the living, breathing epitome of unlawful football violence and ill-discipline, um, with Pac-Man long since gone, which members of the roster will replace them as the evidence of in support of their narrative. Mixon's problems have been in the past, and he's been a model and well-appreciated pro ever since. Bengals players don't get into trouble off the pitch, so many are praised for their charitable work in the communities, Dunlap Johnson, Johnson Dalton. And now there's no one going to misbehave on the pitch. We only need the Bengals to win a playoff game and the media won't know what negativity they can continue to portray. I think it's a fair point. I think I think the, the national US media absolutely hate the Bengals for whatever reason. Um, and they never really give them enough credit. Occasionally they'll pop up and say, oh, is Duke Tobin doing a good job? Or, oh, well, oh the Bengals have drafted quite well in the, first, you know, in the last couple of years. Um yeah, I, th- I, I just think, think it's more the fact. I don't think there's an active dislike against the Bengals. I just think when you're from a smaller market and you don't win a playoff game in 20 plus years, I think people tend to just have that kind of meh kind of approach, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. And we have had, we, you know, you can't. Look, I mean, I know it's a long time ago when all those arrests were going on, and you had, you know, everyone under some back in the, uh, you know, the early O's when it getting arrested, and that was yeah. where that really came from. And yeah, you know, we have tidied up our image 100, percent but. You know, it wasn't that long ago. You had your Ocho Cinco's and your TOs, and it was all a bit mad. So, you know, I think maybe that narrative will shift. But I think when it's a smaller market and you're not winning, you do tend to find, you know, very little and mostly negative press. And I think Pete's right. You know, as soon as we go deep into the playoffs, whenever that might happen, that narrative will change. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Shawnee at Shawnee 01. With the news of Vinnie Curry's visit, what's both of yours favourite curry and what beer would you recommend to drink with it? God, that's a question that is. I like that. Go on then. That's a solid question. I'm going to go. I'm always... A, my favourite curry, honestly, probably a Madras. Probably a Madras. I actually think the flavour of a tikka masala might be my favourite, but I love spicy food. I also like a vindaloo. Do you? I'd be tossing up between the three of them, to be honest, if I had a menu in front of me now. Nice king prawn... Madras, Peshwari naan, lemon rice, sag paneer. And what beer? Kingfisher or? Oh, yeah, Kingfisher's good. Yeah, yeah probably Kingfisher, you know. Nice Kingfisher. There used to be a beer called Lao Tufan that my cool. local curry house used to have. It was a nice drop, but probably a Kingfisher, yeah. About yourself, son. Well, um, like you, I'm a bit of a pescatarian and I always go for a prawn danzac. Yeah. And that's a winner, that is. That's yeah, a yeah. really tasty bowl of food right Fairly there. Fairly spicy, that, isn't it, Dan Sack? Fairly, but not crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I like I like sort of coconut-based curries yeah, as coconut well. Coconut rice I like as well. Like coconut fish curry. Give it to me in my face now. Uh, and I, don't, I normally, weirdly, forego the rice. Really? I'm normally like a massive, like... Like a duvet-sized naan. Oh, yeah, yeah, to be fair. So you can just, shat. like, tear it off and then yeah, yeah, dip that motherfucker. 
cooker right. into the yeah, into yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. into the curry and it's just like like mop it all up yeah, afterwards. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. Beers, yeah, I mean mango chutney with a pop of dons. Pop of dons? <laughs> pop of doms. Um Papa John's. No, that's 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 the link to curry. Oh, I love Papa Don's. Do you? Yeah, I love them. Oh yeah. So you'd have mango chutney and and mint chutney and I don't like the mint a writer. I don't like the writer. Mint chutney. Sorry. I just like the uh, mango chutney and then there's that red sauce. What's that? I'm not quite sure actually. It's like a red sort of swi- slightly sweet one that they have yeah. some curry has. I love that. I do. I do like. Um, I do like a bargy, Nathan. No, I'm not a big bargy fan. I do like a bargy. Yeah. But normally when you go into a curry house, they only have sort of like um, uh, Kingfisher or... Cobra. Cobra's pretty good. Taj is pretty good, I quite like. Um, But yeah, Kingfisher or Cobra, I reckon. It's a bit of a boring answer. But that that that, well, that Mal Tu fan, I don't know if they still do it, but my old curry house, Spice of India in Upminster, yeah, they used to have a big Lal Tu fan. Okay, interesting glass, really nice, smooth, interesting drop. glass. Yeah, like a custom sort of like okay. it's called like the mist, the the red mist of the desert, or something weird right, like okay. that. But, yeah. but I always find when you get a takeout curry, you always get like an absolute bag full of stuff, don't you? Just yeah. because you know you've got the chutneys, you've got the poppadoms. Uh, you've got like you know a really quality writer you've got like like a massive carton of bargies it's and, enough food for a week like it? yeah and basically you struggle through it don't you and it's like yeah, Christmas day but curry for me yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean I, as I say if I don't get a, a, a naan the size of which can't fit on the back <laughs> of a motorbike then it's trouble. Mate, I agree. That's a good shout. We should get a Narn in next week on this podcast. Let's just go Narn crazy. Uh, Michael McGowan at MedWriter Mike. Uh, oh, I ab- that's a solid landlord. I absolutely wish him a perfect, well and a long and healthy rest of his career stroke retirement. But I am glad he's gone. He had a great few seasons, but he's hurt us more than he's helped us overall. And I think, I think actually that's for me, That's I agree with that. You know, Well, maybe not hurt us overall more than he's helped but I think it's been a it's been a career of two like sides a, isn't it yeah it's a bit of a dodgy ex of two it? halves it's been, uh, it's been good at the sex has been good at times but uh... <laughs> I don't know there's a bit of a word for that dearie me um, Robert Lantham <laughs> at that navy guy 1423 AJ is much better than OBJ not even close there you go um, Robert Robert telling it like it is. Eric Waddle at Beercat Vol. He, Solid handle. He is a lot. Um, actually, that doesn't. Sorry, Eric. I don't know why I chose. It's not a very good tweet. No offense, but it does, anyway, it is a fine tweet, but it's not uh, relevant to here because it doesn't make sense. Uh, Mark Robinson at Robo. Sorry, Robo Macca. Solid handle. Got to say, I'm gutted. His biggest problem was playing in the wrong decade. See, this is where I. I, I get that, but pe- I think people are using his kind of, you know, poor tackling technique as an excuse uh, for him, actually. Um, and yes, I mean, if he played in the 70s, you know, he wouldn't have been a suspended after time. Well, well he wouldn't have been concussed after time because they'd have just let him back on the field as well. Well, that's it. So I think that is, fans, a lot of fans have been using that as a bit of an excuse. Um, but um, I get it, Mark. You know, you're a big fan, and 
lots of people are big fans out there. So I'd be the, the actual, know. like I said earlier in the pod, I think the support for him has been overwhelming, and I thought. I thought a lot of fans, you know, really, really sort of um, they have worn thin with Berthick over the last year, but there's still a lot of people out there, you know, you know, banging the drum for him. And, you know, I can see that. I mean, I, I certainly was a big fan up until probably midway through last season when I kind of felt that, you know, it was like the straw that uh, broke the camel's back, I think. Um, Gary Proctor at Gary Proctor 5. VB, we've had his best and most ferocious years, that's for sure. It definitely feels like the right time to part company after last year's contributions. Multiple concussions, a big worry too. A move to the Raiders might give him a new lease of life. Who knows? Good luck to him. I think we all echo that. Yep. Um, Brandon McConnell at Brandon Mac 222 um, on the AJ versus um, Odell Beckham question. Uh, AJ is better all day as a player and definitely a person. Um, Bengals under, Bengals UK underscore blog at Bengals UK blog who's the player you're scared of the Bengals taking in the first round um, you know what um, I'm not going to answer it this, this time because we just to break off a bit from our communication chat we have just to let you know our schedule um, are we going to be back in next week we might have a break for a couple of weeks and then we are going to be back in early April. We've got our own panel of Bengals UK draftniks uh, telling us the prospects that they quite fancy. Um, we've got Dave Lapham back on the podcast coming up in April. And and if you know anything about Dave, not only is he fantastic uh, and he's got hands the size of Jupiter, um, he also uh, is a really good guy to talk to about the draft. He's never wrong. Um, oh, well, that's probably a, quite a, a statement. <laughs> Put Dave on a bit of a, a bit under pressure. Oh, yeah. under pressure there, but so. he's really good because he's 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 generally speaking, he knows or he guesses or even you know, he might know. You never know because he's yeah, inside yeah. the organisation. He kind of understands, shall we say, which way the Bengals might be going in the draft. So it's always a good listen. Mm. Uh, Dave is um, he's a fantastic guy, as we all know. And we've also got Joe Goodbury uh, coming up um, towards the end of April. And Joe uh, is very good because he comes on once a year to talk with us about his draft, his real passion. Uh, and so expect a lengthy conversation with Joe towards the end of April. So that's our kind of schedule coming up. I hope that uh, sounds good and exciting because uh, there's lots to talk about, obviously, with the draft. So... Um, we're going to leave that question there. I think park it for now uh, and then answer that later on uh, as we get towards the draft. Um, Matthew Wilson at Matt Wilson MNC. Burfick's attitude about playing recklessly makes me glad he's gone because it hurt the team more than it helped. In a game of inches, he was giving away yards. They need to find a hard-nosed player who will play the game with his head up and not giving away 15 yards in three games. And again, yes, you can't really. A lot argue. of people saying the same, and you it? can't really yeah, uh, argue about point. that. Um, uh, Phil H at Bengal Blue Boy, um, solid handle. This team, barring injuries, is way better than the 125 to one odds being offered at the moment. Uh, yeah, yeah, they probably are. But I wouldn't give them much better than at 100, maybe 80 to one. Young head coach, inexperienced team. 
um, coaching staff. I mean, yeah, 125 to one probably. I mean, there's still some good players on that offense and on the defense. So, you know, they definitely could make a run. And if Zach Taylor, you know, has got a hot hand, we'll see where it goes. But yeah, 125 to one probably worth it. About tenner, isn't it? Well, yeah, you never know. I think we do know, but you never know, really, do yeah, you? Yeah, um, And finally, we've got two from Jamie. Uh, Jamie uh, is at Trequart Beaster. Uh, and he uh, we asked uh, for your memories of um, Fontes Burfitt. And that game against Cleveland in November 2013, as complete and dominant a single-game linebacker performance you'll see. And if Burfitt was around in an era to... In an era prior to concussions, he would have been seen as a very good player. Mm, absolutely. And I think Jamie hit the nail, hasn't it, as we mentioned earlier. At his best, he could take games over and did. Mm. Uh, and just kind of just popped up anywhere and everywhere where the ball was. Mm. And I don't think I've seen a player with that instinctive knack, that feel yeah, for, yeah. for being where the action is. Um as Vontes, really, at his best. Last point on Vontes, and I, I forgot to say it after we spoke to Fletcher, I thought it was interesting his answer to the question regarding, you know, how perfect will be perceived in the locker room. And, you know, of course, as a professional and everything else, he doesn't want to say, well, I think they were in the back of him. But I think it was very interesting that he kind of alluded to that, you know, Burfitt might have like worn his time out a little bit in that locker room and people at the end were a little bit, you know, disenfranchised. I think it's a good point regarding the Paul Gunther thing and regarding, you know, Marvin being gone. I think they were the people that drafted him. They were the people that brought him up. They gave him the keys to the defence. And I think it's a new era in Cincinnati now. And, you know, I think, yeah, we all wish him the best. But I think for the locker room, for the team and for himself, I think it's a good move. Yeah, I think so. And, and you know, I think one of the major concerns for a lot of fans is his kind of uh, head health, really. So, you know... We'll see how the concussions go, but if, if that continues to be a, a trend for him, then yeah. I really would kind of um, think about um, think about knocking. It, well, I was going to say knock it on the head, but that's probably the wrong phrase. But you know what I mean. Just kind of like <laughs> maybe, maybe he will be a good coach. You know. Um, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, right, that's the end of this episode. Um, we can't thank you enough for interacting and joining in the fun on Twitter where we are at Hooday underscore UK and Bengals UK on Facebook. Um, and we do have an announcement on Saturday the 27th of April. Um, we will be heading up to Sheffield again for our draft weekend meetup at the Red Deer pub in the centre of uh, Sheffield. Uh, we had a, a meetup there last November to watch the Browns game. And we were so impressed with the place uh, that we're going to do it all again. Um, we did have a draft meetup in Manchester last year. Yeah, last year we had uh, we had a live recording of Cincinnati, which we're going to do again this year. Well, without me, you're going to do it. Well, yeah, you're going to be on honeymoon, oh, aren't you? Japan in Tokyo. Yeah. So unfortunately, Nathan won't be there. That's, that's a heartbreak for the Cincinnati. Well, it is. Like the faithful, isn't it? The, the fans are not going to be impressed, are they? But. Um, yeah, we're going to do a live recording of Cincinnati. Uh, we're going to have some fun and games. There'll be a Bengals quiz. Uh, we're going to try and get hold of some prizes. Uh, and, of course, more importantly, uh, we're going to have the draft live uh, on a big screen. So, um, What a night. What a night. It was great last year. We're going to do it again this year. Um, 
I think it's going to kick off at half past five, but there will be posters uh, going out on social media in the next couple of days. Uh, so look out for that. Um, so um, I, I'm going to play a closing song only be- uh, and the choice has got no real relevance to anything, actually, but only because I, lis- uh, I saw the the trailer for the new Quentin Tarantino film this afternoon and an absolute, absolute banger of a tune on there. So I'm going to play us out with that. So it only remains for me to say thank you to Fletcher Page and it's a who day from me. And I just want to let all the audience know that Paul has started smoking again. So tweet us your hashtags, help Paul stop to get him back on there. And a who day from me. You f- <laughs> And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.